This morning, I'm so excited, we are launching a new series of messages that I believe is incredibly important, incredibly timely for each and every one of us. Now, at the core of these messages, what we're going to be doing is, is exploring some fundamental spiritual practices that help us grow and increase our faith. These are nothing new. These, these are ancient and timeless practices that we find within Scripture. Ultimately, our goal is to examine the life of Jesus and see that he not only offers a better way of thinking, but he offers a better way of living. Jesus once boldly proclaimed that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So often we, we cling to this, this mental ascent of, of knowledge that, that Jesus is the truth, but we fail to acknowledge that Jesus is also the way. He leaves us a, a new way of living. So this morning, I want you to understand that in order to experience the life of Jesus, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now that's what the, the next few weeks are going to be focusing on as we go through this together. My, my prayer for you over the next couple of weeks is not that you would just learn a couple new facts, maybe become a little more familiar with some scripture and, and you just kind of tuck it away in your head and, and, and keep it for later. But my prayer is that you would learn some core truths from scripture and from the life of Jesus that will make their way into your everyday life. I don't want to sound over dramatic, but we believe that God can change our lives. Like, for real. Like, today. God can change your life. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm being silly. We truly do believe that God can change our lives. And so this morning, I, I want to begin our time together by, by collectively surrendering to God's leading. That if there is something that, that we need to hear from God, if there's some, some sort of sin in our life that we need to repent of, or that we need to change, or that we need to, to address head on, that, that God this morning would shine a spotlight on it that we could not deny. That we would be convicted Conviction is something that is often lacking in today's church. But God, we need to be convicted that, that we have some things in our life that we need to change. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we believe that, that there is no one greater. There is no one more deserving of glory. And we thank you that you are a God who loves, a God who restores, a God who reconciles. And we thank you for your presence in our lives, that even when we feel lost, when we feel forgotten, when we feel overlooked, that you are with us. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself through the scripture, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide our understanding of who you are, that you would reveal to us this better way of living that you have. Jesus, right now, we, we repent of our busyness, our addiction to hurry. We have tried to force so many different things into our lives and into our schedules that there is oftentimes no room left for you. God, shine a spotlight on that sin, on those things, the hurriedness that we need to address, that we need to root out of our lives. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. 
This morning, we're going to begin by looking at a passage that really sets up this entire series as a whole, not just this morning, but the, the, the next few weeks. If you have your Bible with you, please turn, turn to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen behind me. But really quickly, I want to encourage you to have a Bible of your own that you are comfortable with. No, I, I, I love this Bible. Honestly, it's... I, it's super cool. I got it for a birthday present. Got it off Etsy. It's got this cool leather cover, right? But it's my Bible, and I feel, I feel comfortable with it. Now, I am a huge fan of, like, the digital age and having your Bible on your phone or your iPad. But I am telling you, I'm going to sound like an old man right now. There is something different about holding a physical copy, a physical copy of the Bible. Uh, any, <laughs> I talked about this at Systematic Theology on Thursday, but does anybody remember sword drills? The, okay, a couple, a couple nodding heads like, please don't make, not now. Please don't make us do it. A sword drill is <laughs> something you do as a kid where you would have to hold up your Bible and then be like, you know, Matthew 11, chapter 3. And you'd have to repeat it, Matthew 11, chapter 3. Go! And then everybody would try and find it as quickly as they could, and whoever found it first would win like a, a lollipop or something, but. So that's next week. That's what you have in store uh, next week. We're going we're to do some sword drills. Uh, so, yeah, ha- having a physical copy of a Bible and a notebook, those are two of the most important tools that you can have as a follower of Jesus. When, when God shows you something, when he, when he highlights something and it hits your heart just right, you go, ooh, I can't miss that. Let me write that down. Let me underline it. Get messy in your Bible. Circle things. Write notes. Get excited. So to set the scene in this passage, Matthew 11 takes place during the ministry of Jesus as it was continuing to grow. Jesus was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing, he was traveling across the countryside. In the chapter previous, Matthew 10, Jesus had just sent out his 12 disciples, his followers, to to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, to care for the lame. In chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus warned his disciples as he was sending them out. He says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus here saying, hey guys, I am sending you out to proclaim the good news, but you need to know that you will not always be well received. In chapter 11, Jesus is approached by followers of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been preparing the way for Jesus and and, and teaching and preaching and baptizing people and saying, hey, there's someone much better than me coming. The Messiah is on the way. And John, because of the message he had been preaching, had been thrown in prison. So his followers are now approaching Jesus, asking, essentially, hey, are, are you the real deal? Are you the one who we have been waiting for that that was promised to come or should we look for another? Are you the promised Messiah that John has been preparing the way for? The subtle undertone of what they're asking and what they're saying is honestly, Jesus, you're doing a lot of really cool stuff, but you're not quite what we were expecting. We kind of thought that the Messiah was going to deliver us from Roman rule, that you were going to come with military might and lead our people into a new age, but all you've done so far is, is teach and heal, which is great. But like, when's the good stuff coming? And so Jesus, of course, confirms with them, yes, I am, in fact, the Messiah that John was preparing the way for. And Jesus begins to, to talk about 
different cities that had rejected him. And, and what we see developing, what I'm trying to get at in these verses is Jesus is showing that like, hey, I am not necessarily the Messiah that you have been looking for, but I am exactly the Messiah that you need. So Jesus is beginning to show this growing divide that, that people's lives have been distracted by something else. And Jesus is here to change all of that forever. So we're reading in Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to begin in verse 25. We're going to read through verse 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to, chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is such a beautiful passage of scripture. And I also want to read it in a, in a, a different version. I want to read it out of the message paraphrase. This isn't necessarily an exact translation. It's more of a thought for thought paraphrase. But I also have that up on the screen behind me. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer and he said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but you've spelled them out clearly for ordinary people. Yes, Father, that is the way that you like to work. And Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all of these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does. Nor the father the way that the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired? You worn out? Are you, you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In this passage in Matthew... Jesus is speaking directly to a people whose entire lives have been dictated by an oppressive religious system. The law of Moses that had been handed down had been twisted and perverted over the course of generations by, by legalists who were more concerned about the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. So these were people who were absolutely tired who were undoubtedly heavy laden and burned out on religion. They were weighed down by their sin and their striving to, to try and do things on their own, to, to keep all the laws that were laid out in front of them. And, and they're just, I, I'm not good enough. 
And so when Jesus came preaching this message, you began to see this divide of like, what? Jesus, what, what are you teaching? Jesus here is saying, again, I, I may not be the Messiah that you expected, but I am exactly the Messiah and the deliverer that you need. You see, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am here to give you rest. Rest from your sin, rest from your striving, rest from your attempts to try and make everything in your life work out by yourself. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Church, let me, let me be real honest with you for a moment. Let me actually take a second to publicly repent of some things right now. There have been years of my life that I have been in the business of God, quote unquote, the business of God, where I have let the presence of God take a back seat. That there have been times in my life where I look at my calendar and I think there is no way that I can make all of this fit. There's no way that I can make all of this work, but I'm too afraid to say no or miss out on something. I don't want to disappoint anybody. And God, I, I don't want to let you down. And I start to feel smothered by the crushing weight of responsibility and the multitude of things that divide my intention. And, and I start to feel myself just like out of habit, pulling for my phone so that I can just endlessly, mindlessly browse social media to try and distract my mind long enough that I can get away from some of the stress or the anxiety or ultimately the feelings of panic that begin to set in. You know what I'm talking about? There's a good chance that you've felt the same way. That your life has been so crushingly busy that you lay in bed at night only to realize that you have spent the past two hours on social media. And you start to think, where, where is my life going? I, I, I've had to work way too many double shifts or maybe even get a second job just to make ends meet, just to think I am literally working my life away only to afford a place to sleep before I go back to work. At some point in our lives, many of us, even right now in this moment, we are so caught up in the hurry, in the breakneck speed of life, the endless demands, responsibilities, and pure noise that we have actually lost sight of the richness of life that God offers. We feel like we are, we are simply skimming through life. We're just trying to collect experiences that we can post on Instagram to hopefully just feel like we have a life of significance. But we don't actually have the, the, the time or, or the energy to actually engage with the fullness of life that God has in store for us. That when those moments actually do show themselves, we think, I, 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 I don't have it in me. I just, I have to go home. I have to sleep. I have to, maybe I can just watch a little bit of Netflix and relax. So if we know that the problem is our lives are too busy, we are too just consumed with hurry, our lives are too full, what do we do? What we're going to talk about in the rest of the time that we have together today and over the next couple weeks is that the answer is not more time. I'm not here to give you a couple quick self-help things of how to properly manage your schedule, how to fit just a couple more things in, like some life hacks. No, the answer is not more time. The answer is learning how to slow down, how to simplify, and how to submit your life 
to the ways of Jesus. So today and the next couple of weeks are not about becoming less busy. It's about becoming a better follower of Jesus. It's about becoming a, a better you. So as we journey through this series, we're going to look closely at several spiritual practices that are modeled by Jesus. As he says, come to me, take my yoke, learn from me. I will give you rest. We're going to talk about silence in solitude. We're going to talk about what it means to, to observe the Sabbath, right? It sounds like a foreign concept to us. We're going to talk about living a lifestyle of simplicity. Again, not just like a life hack, but like what does scripture say about living a simple life? And ultimately, what does it look like to just slow down? So I want to challenge you this morning with, with three things. And these are three things that we are going to talk about every single week. We want to challenge ourselves to embrace the words of Jesus, to, to come to him, to take his yoke, and to learn from him. In verse 28, if we go back into this passage together, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word that Jesus is using when he says all who labor. He's not just saying like, hey, I, I, I feel there are a few of you here that are a little stressed out. He's saying all, as in this applies to everybody. It's the same word in, in, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God. It's this all-encompassing word. Come to me, everyone, all of us who labor, all of us who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Note that Jesus does not say, Go to church, listen to a certain podcast, or read a, a certain leadership book, or hey, add another meeting to your calendar. He simply says, come to me. Jesus does not just offer the answer, Jesus is the answer. In Jesus, we find the forgiveness of our sins, the weight of that sin debt is lifted. Jesus says, I will give you rest. If you study the, the root of this word and see what it means, rest, that Jesus is talking about, the biblical idea of rest is more than just a relaxing weekend or a Netflix binge. Jesus offers a restorative, replenishing rest that is incomparable to anything else that we could ever dream of. Oftentimes, our idea of rest is, hey, if I sit still long enough, hopefully my battery life will like maybe get back up to where it needs to be so I can jump into the next week. But the rest that Jesus brings is over and above. It's an overflow. So this week, this week, I'm challenging you, come to Jesus. This doesn't have to be a big production. You don't have to like, you know when some people do like their devotions or quiet time, they like make it look all Instagram perfect and I got a cup of coffee with some cinnamon sprinkled on top. All right, Jesus, here we go. If I can just take a picture of this, everybody will know how good of a Christian I am. All right, I got to turn to a passage that makes sense though. Ezekiel would be weird. Okay, there we go, perfect. It doesn't have to be a big production. It can be an honest conversation on your way to work, gripping the steering wheel as hard as you can. Jesus, for so long, I have tried to find my, my purpose and my success in other things. 
All I've found is burnout and disappointment, but Jesus, I'm coming to you this week. I am coming to you. I claim right now your promise of rest. Amen. That's all it has to be. You don't have to like light a candle or like kneel on a cushion. That's great. If you do, but I challenge you this week, have a one-on-one, heart-to-heart with Jesus and come to him. But it doesn't end there. Jesus says, come to me. And he says, take my yoke upon you. And you might be thinking, well, take? Hey, I thought this was about rest. What's the big deal? Am I supposed to take up something? Well, in the culture of Jesus' day, in this agrarian society, the imagery of, of a yoke would be something that they all would have understood. Jesus is obviously not talking about an egg yoke, right? He's talking about a yoke made of wood that joined two animals together as they would work in the field. There's a pastor, John Walvoord, that said in this quote, I just want to read it to you, in exhorting them to take his yoke, Jesus was inviting them into discipleship. A pupil enrolling for instruction under a teacher is considered coming under a yoke. So instead of exchanging one burden for another, it is exchanging one which, which, which is crushing for one which is light and rewarding. There is an inner satisfaction and rest of soul in being a disciple of Jesus which is unknown by the child of the world who attempts to bear his own burden. You see, on farms, when they would have a new animal, they would have the older, stronger, more experienced animal yoked with the younger, weaker animal. And it wasn't like, hey, man, you got to pull your own weight. It was simply be next to this other one who knows what to do, who can show you the way, who can bear the weight for you. So Jesus is saying, Come to me. He's saying, take my yoke. But he's not saying, hey, I got a lot of work for you to do. You better be ready. He's saying, just come to me. Join me. Be with me. Take my yoke, but but I got the weight. Don't worry. I just want you walking with me. So come to Jesus. Take his yoke. And lastly, Jesus says, learn from me. This is also something that that we would call discipleship. Over the the years, the word discipleship has just kind of become one of those church words that like we say, but but we don't really define what it means a lot of times. But this is the way that people would learn back in that culture. It was the way that they would, you wouldn't necessarily go to college or, or they didn't have like accredited universities necessarily. What you would do If you wanted to study a certain thing, you would find a rabbi or a teacher. And you wouldn't just like go to class on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You would do life with this rabbi, with this teacher. You would literally live your life with them. Not only learning from their words, but from their very way of life. Their rhythms of life. So over the coming weeks... We want to challenge ourselves to learn from Jesus, not just head knowledge. Maybe I can just memorize a couple verses, 
But no, I, I want to understand the life-changing wisdom that comes from adopting the lifestyle of Jesus. So these are the things that we're challenging ourselves with this week and over the coming weeks as we challenge ourselves to silence and solitude and observing the Sabbath and simplifying our lives and, and slowing down. That, that Jesus, we are coming to you because we believe that only you can provide true restorative rest. But we don't simply just come to you. We are, we are taking upon ourselves your yoke. We are walking with you because, Jesus, we want to learn from you. My prayer for you, even today, uh, my prayer for our entire church is that we would be able to take a step back, to look at our lives, to recognize the problem that we are facing. Because the, the more and more we are honest with ourselves, we can see that our addiction to social media, our addiction to hurry, those small dopamine hits we get when we get notifications on our phone, oh, 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 somebody liked my post. I do, I do matter. It's destroying us. Please hear me out. I'm not going to preach a series on like, you should get rid of your phone. Or like, social media is the devil. All things in moderation, right? But maybe you should put your phone on silent mode every once in a while. Or turn it off at night. We want to talk about how through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from our lives. Not in an attempt to, to clear our schedule to hopefully make room for more busyness, more meetings, more things like that, but that, that maybe we can actually just hear from God again. Because again, man, I gotta be brutally honest with you. Like, like this is my job, right? Like, I... <laughs> Sometimes I joke with people. I was like, you know, you read the Bible for fun. Sometimes I have to read it like for work, right? Sounds bad, but please don't take that out of context. Uh, but like I get so busy with the different things. Man, we got to fix up the basement. We got to do all these things at church. We, oh, we got to launch small groups. We got to do this. And, and, and our lives become so clouded with things of God that we forget to be like for God and with God. And so over the next couple of weeks, we want to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from our lives so that we can be a people, we can be a church that hear clearly from him. We are not just excited about God, we are excited about being with God. We are a church that comes to him, that takes upon us his yoke, his better way of living. We are a church that actually learns from him and lives differently because of it. We want to be a church that slows down, that simplifies, that can experience the richness of life that we have just been skimming by. We're going to close with a song that, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if a lot of people know. Uh, and so I just kind of want to set the stage for it. You don't have, you don't have to stand up for this one. Um, you might just want to take a moment and, and sit contemplatively maybe spend a moment in prayer and challenge yourself maybe have like a, a maybe have that one-on-one -on -one heart to heart conversation with God right now look at your life and be like God I, I am too busy I am too busy 
And I encourage you, don't start making a list of all the things that you need to get done after church or that, that you're hoping that you can check off the list. It just focus on those three things. Jesus, I come to you. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to take that yoke because you say it's easy. Your burden is light. I just want to learn from you. Show me a better way of living. Can we do that together? So if you feel led, you can stand. If you want to sit, that's fine. Let's just take a moment, listen to the words of this song and spend a moment in God's presence.